Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to talk about a very interesting thing. I have lived long enough and served God long enough to observe human life and the things that we are so occupied in individually or communally or as a nation or in the various groups that we find ourselves into. And as we dream and pursue and commit ourselves to do whatever we are supposed to do, especially for those of you who are in the faith or have a relationship with God. And um, sometimes in life, Certain things, events happen. Certain circumstances happen and befall us and sort of discourage us from the course that we are meant to follow, from the dream that we are meant to pursue, from the aspiration that we are meant to align ourselves into. And I have seen people actually give up, and sadly, even Christians. I've seen people give up because of pressure. I've seen people give up because the circumstances are worsening every other day, and then they throw in the towel. Maybe you are in a marriage that has not been working for years, and you get to the point and say, you know what, I think I'm done. Maybe you are in a business that you've been investing your time and money into, and then at one point you say, you know, ah, I think I'm done. And not all these things that we give up on really were ready to die or were dead. But sometimes we give up the will to fight to live another day. And many of us find ourselves fainting in the time when God needs us most to reveal and demonstrate his power and glory in those times. The Bible says that if you faint in your day of adversity, your strength is small. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of God. That we faint according to the level of how much strength we have in our spirit. When a man has built themselves and fortified themselves in the strength of the Lord, that man will run and not grow weary. That man will walk and not grow tired. When a man has been energized by God, it is not easy for that man to faint in the days of adversity. And today, I want to help show you how to stay strong in the time of adversity. How to live to fight another day and win in the time of adversity. Not just to stay strong, but to win in the time of adversity. There are people who have learned the art of winning in the time of adversity. There are people whose star shines brightest in the time of adversity. There are people who are promoted 
in the time of adversity. There are people who are elevated in the time of adversity. There are people who have learned to break through in the time of adversity. There are people who have learned to earn recognition in the time of adversity. And sometimes we ask ourselves, what's so unique about these individuals? Are they so special that they were born on a specific day? Is it because they have a very good this and a very good that? And then sometimes we start seeking to explain situations or reasons why certain people have gotten through or broken through particular things. Only just that we will give some sanity to the mind that already has no more input concerning faith. And so we give examples. Oh, I think that one made it because their father is this. I think that one made it because their cousin is this. I think that one made it because it's like this. I think the other one made it because it's like this. Oh, so what about you? How come you've not made it? You know, if I was like that person and I did this, I would make it. And we can go all around giving reasons and examples why we've not been a success or made it or broken through in the time when we're supposed to break through. But again, I thank God for his word because his word shows us how. His word shows us how. Now, if I will take you a bit back, I want to give a typical example of one of my most favorite people in the Bible, and that is Paul. I find Paul a very fascinating man because he says, as a master builder, this is Paul, I was given the grace to lay the foundation and another man will build upon it. No man can lay any other foundation save the foundation that is already laid, which is of Christ. And when Paul now is speaking of these foundations, he's saying we can only learn how to build on them, but I've laid the foundation. What we see are the things that we read concerning these men. But I wonder those people that sat with them daily, those people that listened to them daily, those people that communed with them daily, those people that were given the opportunity to observe their manner of life. He says, for you have observed my manner of life, my ways which be in Christ. Wow, what a power. He speaks of his ways which be in Christ. When he's beaten, they're observing. When he's betrayed, they're observing. When he's weak in his body, they're observing. When he is striving with men, they're observing. When he's fighting beasts in Ephesus, they're observing. When he is praying, they're observing. Because some of the instructions of the Spirit are not the things that men which are anointed can articulate with language. They are things that only a man can pick pattern of by observing. And that is why he speaks of his ways which be in Christ. And so in studying the story of Paul, his testimony and his ministry, I've learned to go into the things that are spoken, to see how I can meet and connect to the things that are not spoken concerning his manner of life and his ways which be in Christ. And that is the man who earns that full accredit in the spirit and he says, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. He has the boldness to say that there is a way I have patterned myself in the ways of God. And it's enough for a man to just watch me live this life in Christ. What a glory. May God give us the grace to set patterns 
and become a pattern for them which should believe after. And that indeed, you might not need to say some of these things. That God will advantage you enough for men to learn from you even when you have said nothing. That your imitations will be enough to guarantee a man's destiny in Christ. It is possible in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And it cannot be our own working. It can only be the working of the Holy Spirit. The working of God even as we yield to him through his word, through prayer and all these other things that God has arrayed for us. So I study Paul and I look at Paul and I see his way in God and how he lived and how he related and connected to the things and how he responded to the mission that God has given to his life. And I will start with a little conversation. We see Paul in different journeys. First journey of his mission, second journey and the third journey. And sort of our life of ministry also sort of is like a journey for all of us. We all have stages in ministry. In fact, I could teach about the three stages, you know, of ministry. We all have our stages of ministry. And to design that is a great grace because you have a true estimation of yourself and you know what to do when you are available for God to be used. You know where to be. You know how to pray yourself into your next season. You know how to position yourself for the next wind that blows you to the next realm of service administration. Now, we see this fellow moving. In Acts 13, we start to see a conversation that is leading into his secondary missionary journey. He goes through Cyprus, and then he goes into Paga in Pamphylia. And then from Paga, Pamphylia, he goes into Antioch, Pisidia. He goes preaching the gospel, and the message of God is spreading The miracle signs and wonders are being demonstrated by the apostles. And then we see them in the 14th chapter pass into Iconium. But of course, from about there, we start to see persecutions all through from Acts 13. There's a group of people that have a problem with Paul and what he is preaching, especially because what he was preaching was catching the attention of the whole city. In fact, in the 13th chapter of Acts, The Bible says that the Gentiles besought that Paul would preach these words the next Sabbath. He entered the synagogue and he finds people praying and, you know, he shares the word of God. And as they listen, the Bible says that the Gentiles were taken and they asked him, would you please come back the next Sabbath and share these things? And uh, the 43rd verse says, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace. And in the 44th verse, the Bible says that the next day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Imagine a fellow who comes in a synagogue of a little, you know, countable number. And before we know it, these guys are telling him, can you come back next Sunday and preach these things? Now, put yourself in the shoes of the Pharisee. Put yourself in the shoes of the priests of that time the men that were running these synagogues. Put yourself in their shoes. They've been preaching to these people every day. They've been ministering to them every day. They've been praying with them and for them every day. And the synagogue is stuck. And there's this fellow who comes from nowhere and he stands in the same synagogue. They're telling him, you know, share what you want to share. And the guy shares in a couple of minutes. And that very day, 
all the people you've been preaching to are walking to that fellow telling him, can you please come back next Sabbath and preach this? Even if you, the chief, uh, the priest or the pastor or the leader of the ministry has not positioned yourself in a place to invite him, these guys are already calling him. The Gentiles are telling him, please come, 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 come. And if Paul says, yeah, I'm going to come next Sunday, these guys will run to the priest or whoever leads the ministry and say, you know what? This guy has to come back. And the Bible says, and the next day almost came the whole city. From one Sunday of a normal church service attendance, the next Sunday you have a whole city. A whole city. Think about it. And the Bible says in the 45th verse, when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. When they saw the multitudes, they became so envious. And what happened? And the Bible says, and they started to speak against those things which Paul spake, contradicting and blaspheming them. Why? This contradiction and blasphemy is because they do not know how to handle a fellow who in one service has pulled a whole city. They've been serving God for years. They've been serving God for ages. They've been serving God for a long time. And here we are. This fellow just comes up and then he makes a name. Okay? When Paul and Barnabas look at these fellows and these guys are fighting them, in the 46th verse, they say, you know, it was necessary that the word of God should be first spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you, you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life. So, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so they move on. Now, the scriptures tell us, and when they continued preaching the gospel, they land into Iconium, or Iconium, the city in Iconium, in the 14th chapter. Now, the scriptures tell us that when they start preaching the gospel, again, the same results that are following the gospel, are following them. And now the scriptures tell us, the Bible says in the fourth verse, 14th chapter, the multitudes uh, of the city were divided and the part held with the Jews and the other part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and the Jews, also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. The Bible says they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derby, the cities of Laconia and, and to the region that lieth round about them. So, the Jews that they had already met in Antioch and before, who were stirred and angry and envious of the work of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, these fellows went following them. If they hear you're in Iconium, they come to Iconium and start fighting you. If they hear you're somewhere else, they start fighting you. The spirit at work in these men could not even settle and stay in their own cities. Uh-uh. What it did, it used to follow them wherever they were. And what would it do? It used to stir the people against Paul and Barnabas and the message that they heard. What a spirit. Imagine a man flies from here and probably go from Uganda, for example, and then flies to, you know, West Africa. And then somebody takes a flight just to go and fight him. Or a man lives here and then flies to the United States. And this man takes a flight to fight him. Oh, now they don't even need to take flights to fight them. They write emails to the people who invite these men of God. You know, speaking contradictions and blasphemies about the ministers of God. It has happened before. I've heard about it. I know a fellow minister who got a very, very open door in Asia. Very great door. And as he continued preaching in Asia and, you know, hit a very huge congregation close to a stadium. And then some fellows in his very nation wrote things. And when he goes there, he finds almost a dozier of words and stories against him concerning his ministry. And these things he has no clue about. So now they don't even need to take flights. You know, the world has become small. The internet, Facebook, email, and all these kinds of things, they can reach anywhere. And so this spirit 
has existed before. It continues to exist. Now adversity is here. Paul and Barnabas have got an ear that these individuals are going to stone them. They're going to stone them. And so when they get that word, what happens? They go to a city called Lyconia in Lystra and Derby. And that's where I want to begin my conversation from. In the eighth verse, we see a story where a man is crippled. They go to Lystra, right? And then we find a man which is impotent in his feet from his mother's womb. And so these guys pray a miracle for this individual. And when they do, the man actually walks. And so when the man walks, all the gods have come and to us in the likeness of men, they call Barnabas Zeus, and then they call Paul Hermes, and then they start lifting them up. And so Paul and Barnabas try to explain to them the message. And when the gospel comes through, the Bible says in the 19th verse, the 14th chapter, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. They are following the fellow again. I'm talking about that thing that just keeps following you. And they follow them into Lystra, who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had died. Now, this is what happens. When these Jews come, in every city, what they're looking for is the blood of Paul. The spirit at work within them is seeking to kill this man. It's seeking to bring an end to their ministry, but by killing them. And so, when they get into Lystra, interestingly, they actually succeeded in stoning this man. Now, the story is given that these people started stoning Paul until a point they were sure that Paul was dead. And what happens? Because they don't like burying bodies in the city. They carried his body and they threw him outside the city. 20th verse, the Bible says, How be it, as the disciples stood round about him, the Bible says he rose up and came into the city and the next day, the Bible says he departed with Barnabas to Derby to preach the very thing that almost got him killed the day before. What am I trying to say? You don't give up. If they persecute you, you preach more. If they fight you for doing right, you do what's right even more. I've seen people have gone to the point of compromise because they're tired of the bullets that are being shot at them. They're tired of the attacks that are coming toward them. And so what do they do? They draw back and say, you know what, I'm tired. What am I even fighting for? You're fighting for corruption. Everyone is corrupt. You know, you're doing this every year. And then you get to a point you're not rewarded. You even lose your job. Ah, you know what? Eh? Pay me too. Oh, I mean, oh, you know, I think I'm going to turn my back and, and head. If they're doing something, I just look away. Why? Because there's no point in keeping to this. No. When he was stoned for dead and they left him for dead, the scriptures tell us that the next day that fellow dusted himself up and went to Derby to preach the very gospel that got him beaten. But there's a deeper mystery to this. The scriptures tell us, of course, they continue in preaching and, you know, they go into Antioch in Syria and listen to this. In the 21st verse, we see, and when they had preached the gospel from Derby to that city that they had taught many, the Bible says they returned again to Lystra where they were beaten. They come back to it. And the Bible says, and then they went to Iconium the very place they were threatened to be killed from. And then they go back to Antioch. 
from the very places the guys who attacked them come from. Paul didn't say, because of this, I'll never go back to Lystra. Because of this, I'll never go back to Derby. I'll never go back to Iconium or Antioch. No. Paul goes back to the very place he was beaten. Why? Because he's sensing something. There's something in God driving him to go to the very places where he's been rejected before. Hey, I'm trying to say, if they fired you, go back again and apply. I'm trying to say that if they frustrate you and they say, you know, you did not pass the interview, apply again until they give it to you if you want it. You never give up. You never give up. You try this and it fails. Tomorrow morning, you get money again and do it. If you're sure that God has spoken to you about a thing, if you're confident that the essence of God is in that vision, regardless of how many times it faints, you continue doing it. You don't give up. That is how we win in adversity. You don't draw back to perdition. No. We are them that hold and believe to the saving of the soul. Tule Merako. We stick on that thing until it works. When you feel like you're out of wit's end and you're out of the power and energy to fight, the moment you can breathe and get up on your feet, walk again and go to that same place and tell the devil you think you started a war, you can play hard, but I play long and I will win whether you want it or not. Why? Because I'm more than a conqueror by Christ which strengthens me. You don't give up. But regardless of what happens in Antioch, regardless of what happens in Iconium, regardless of what happens in all these places, Paul keeps the course. But the worst damage of adversity was Lystra when they beat him and they were sure that this man was dead. When he goes back to Lystra, the 16th chapter of Acts, hear now the miracle. The Bible says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, listen, a certain disciple was there called Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. And the Bible says, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Here is the mystery. What we did not know was in the place where they wanted to kill him, was his protege, was the spiritual son, was the life that he was going to send as an emissary, was the preservation of the posterity of the gospel and the man who would sit in position for the heritage of the apostolic mantle of that hour. Whoever knew that in the place where Paul was almost killed was the very life and seed of potential that was going to extend his ministry beyond his existence. God has a way of hiding your most potent seed in the most trying moment. God has a way of hiding the thing that preserves your heritage in the thing that seeks to kill you. We all know that when Timothy started to follow Paul, he was the most trustworthy and most faithful minister. We know the story of Timothy, how that he was a boy raised with a family that had believed and connected to God early, the faith which was in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, which Paul says he beholds in him also. In fact, he loved that boy so much, the Bible tells us, that he called him my beloved son, my very own son. He even circumcised him. Why? Because the mother was a Jewess. The father, of course, was Greek. But he had to force this boy to become all things 
that he might save some in a time when you could not speak to a Jew if you were not circumcised. He circumcised that boy himself. And we see with Titus, because there was no connection to the Jew, father or mother, he did not compel him to get circumcised. And the very man actually who says circumcision profiteth nothing. There's a mystery there. Why if circumcision profiteth nothing, is he uh, circumcising Timothy? It was more of a father and son initiation. There was a sort of orientation in the spirit that Paul was creating on this boy. But you see, in what Satan seeks to kill, in the space when Paul is going to be killed, in that very place, in that very city, God had a plan of raising a young man through the teaching and glory and grace operating on Paul the apostle, the master builder. And God knew that in that very place, I was going to raise the voice that was going to carry the mantle when you are long gone. Imagine if he never went back. Imagine if Paul never took that journey back to Lystra because he feared that they would stone him again. He could only have discovered that potent seed for the preservation of the heritage of the gospel because he's a man who chose not to give up. And here's the mystery. The word Lystra means ransom. Ransomed, to ransom, to buy from, to buy back something, to get something back into your possession for a price. And now we realize by divine wisdom that that very place where Paul was going to be killed was the very place he needed to pay the price of ransom for the very seed that he needed to continue the gospel when he's long gone. But Paul was going to miss a very great opportunity if his eyes had stayed on those which hated him. Your biggest grace and potential is hidden in the thing that has tried you most. Seek God and search it out. You'll be amazed that not only will you find that potency, but you will realize that that thing in itself has the power to preserve and sustain your testimony longer than you ever expected. And that was what Timothy became to Paul. That was what Timothy became to Paul. But would never have known if that man had walked out of Lystra and said, you know what? I'm not going to go back. I've been beaten. I'm tired. You know, how can they talk to me this way? How can they do this to me? How can they accuse me this way? You know, I think I'm out. I cannot do this. How can I continue? You know, no, 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 no. Don't become so indifferent to the way God works that you will lose the picture and vision concerning your lives because of what people can do to you. People will always be people. People are not going to change tomorrow. They crucified Jesus. <laughs> what about you, dear Annette? You understand what I'm saying? So you're not going to change people and how they see life and how they think. But you can choose to define your destiny. We saw a ransoming. We saw a price being paid. And that was the price we now see later by the story that preserved the gospel. Maybe Paul at that point did not even know that he would find a Timothy. But God in his own infinite wisdom, there was a Timothy. Then we see him raise that boy up as though he's his own. We start to see him give him extra training, instruction, because he knows 
that this fellow is going to become something. He knows that this guy, when I'm long gone, is going to continue the work that God has started in me. And indeed, when Paul left, Timothy became the chief apostle of that time and continued preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when all which had stoned and wanted to kill Paul, I believe in generations were long gone, the testimony of Paul was still preserved and his message. And now, even when they are collecting manuscripts and canonizing the word for us to read tomorrow, we see that the very message of Paul has almost consumed three-thirds of the New Testament because he needed a continuation of that testimony but the price that comes with it. Catherine Kuhlman, the woman of God, said, it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. But she was not just talking about the job. She was not just talking about the career. She was talking about the call of serving God. She said it will cost you everything. And not many people understand the price of the gospel. Many, many years ago, when I was in my university, the Lord appeared to me and he gave me an option. And he said, this is permissible. This is perfect. If you live in the permissible will, I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will build you. I'll establish you. If you live in the perfect, I will do all I must do to accomplish my purposes in you. And he gave me the choice to choose. And I have realized that every child of God has the choice between permissible will and perfect will. The permissible has its acceptations. The permissible has its provisions. And there are many people who, if you have not seen the fullness which is in God, you could actually easily settle for the permissible because of the glory that it comes with. It truly can come with. Because firstly, in the realm of the permissible will, the promises of God are still available. And what more could a man need when it comes to the things that pertain to this life? If he promised that you shall be rich in the permissible, wealth is available. If he promised that I shall keep you healthy, by his stripes you were healed, in the permissible, it's available. If he promised that he will preserve you, in the permissible, it's available. All the promises in him are here and amen, and they're all available in the permissible. Promises of God are available. The biggest part of the promises of God are available because many of these things simply follow the new birth. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. And now behold, the old is past and now the new and all things are become of God. And that's available. It's available. I mean, if you, of course, keep yourself and, you know, you are faithful in the few things that are available for you. And, you know, you live a morally upright life and, you know, you're a praying person. You are a good Christian. I mean, many of these things can align themselves if you apply yourself to faith. And yeah, that's why he says many are called, but few are chosen. And there is a working line in the spirit that prepares us from the called into them which are chosen. And you can simply stay among those which are called. 
the glory and virtue of that comes. The anointing that sustains the cold is available. Then when you switch from just simply the cold to the chosen, to carry a distinctive mark in your generation, to walk through the degrees of his consecration, the sanctification of your spirit unto obedience, the setting of yourself apart for the work of God, the fully yielding and giving of your heart to God that you might observe his ways, the determination in your spirit to say that I'm not going to set off what is permissible, but I'm ready to move with the perfect will of God concerning my life. He said it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. And sometimes when we preach the grace, it's so hard for a man to reconcile that to say, you know, so what is that price that you're telling me I'm going to pay if the grace of God is available for me? And simple. The grace of God does not pay that price. The grace of God supports it. It cushions the man to pay that price. It underguards the man. It's the rare God that stands with you that you might do it. It works in you. But you see, you cannot say that you are under that grace. And there's no evidence of that. No, no, no. Paul says, I labored more than all my brethren, yet not I, but the grace of God, which labored in me, which was with me. So there's no way that grace is available and it doesn't labor in you. It's just there to just labor with you, to connect to what you see. But at the end of the day, the decision is yours. The making up of your mind to say that I'm ready. Because it's available, they mean that they're not going to stone you. Paul was stoned, yet the grace of God was with him. Paul was beaten, yet the grace of God was with him. Paul was contradicted and falsely accused, yet the grace of God was with him. It costs everything. But sometimes the question goes back to how desperate are you to see the perfect will of God concerning your life in spite of all that is happening? Because then from then on, you start to see attacks and adversities differently. Now I'm going into the mature things. You start to see adversity and attacks and all these kinds of things differently. Why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. We cannot explain the testations of the Spirit among the chosen as though they would be understood among them which are called. And them which actually are not even concerned about the calling of God concerning their lives. Because even Satan deals with them differently. He deals with us differently according to where we are with God. So my heart in this is, and what I seek to emphasize mostly, is that there is a price and the grace of God is there to help you pay that price. But it exists. It exists. And that is the total surrender and sacrifice that you give yourself wholly to God and refuse to conform to the standards of this world, but you allow the mind to be renewed every other day. And as your mind is renewed, you know that which is acceptable, that which is good, and the perfect will of God concerning your life. But it says, but your mind must be transformed. It must be renewed. The way you think has to change. 
the way you relate and connect things has to change. There's a certain mindset that cannot connect to the perfect will of God concerning your life. And that is why you see people whose minds have been so changed. Paul's mind was so renewed. I mean, this fellow is in prison, but he's singing. Because his mind sees differently. When he's beaten almost to death in Lystra, he just dusts himself and walks to the next city to do what got him beaten. And then he comes back through the same city because the way his mind works is renewed. He sees things differently. A viper holds onto his hand and he just shakes it off. He's not even conscious that this thing can interrupt the destiny of God concerning his life. He knows that he has a journey. He knows that he must appear before Caesar. He knows that there is nothing that can stop him from appearing where he must appear by God. And what is a viper stinging his hand? Ah, he just shakes it off and the rest of them are waiting to see whether this man will die. Or some have already even judged, you know, he survived the sea and now the gods have looked for him on the land and they want to kill him. But what is in the mind of this man is so different from the way the world sees and understands and interprets life. Why? Because he has been renewed in his mind. He knows I must stand before individuals. I must finish this journey. This viper, this thing, it doesn't matter how poisonous it is, it cannot stand in the way of a man who is chosen by God. The man who's chosen by God. When you are in the perfect will of God, you stop being conscious of some attacks. You stop being conscious of certain adversities. You stop being conscious of certain thoughts. You even stop being conscious of what certain people say. Because it does not matter anymore what they say. You belong to God. And he owns you and possesses you a certain way. Imagine a story reading like, after laying the foundation, he died. How? <laughs> no. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. This is a new dispensation. This is a new testimony. This is a new testimony. Oh, yes, some people give reference of John the Baptist. You know, how could he be killed? And then I have some say that. How could he be killed? How can a simple girl ask for his head? For a man which was anointed, which anointing was bright and shining light. And a little girl asks for his head and they behead him. Well, he was the greatest among them which are born by women. Again, I repeat, John was just the greatest among them which were born by women. From that day on, when Jesus comes through and he also continues the message you remember when John the Baptist is killed immediately? The Bible says the next day Jesus appeared and he said, Repent ye for the kingdom of God is nigh. He continued the ministry of John the Baptist and that man tested death for all of us. And when he tested death for all of us, since John, the kingdom of God, suffereth violence by them which know how to do this thing, who know how to react also take it by force. In other words, this time we have the opportunity since John to refuse. 
A little girl will not ask for my head to be killed like I'm not a man of God. Why? Because now the covenant has changed. He said, yet ye which is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And that is why I say you will not die under violence. A stray bullet will never come into your house to kill your own. So you can't die of witchcraft. No, no, no. The moment they say to say in the name of Jesus Christ, greater is he which is in me than he which is in the world. I cannot die because of a man's witchcraft. I cannot die because of a flu and a cough that came from China. I can't. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I cannot die by a virus. I cannot die. No, no, no. Brethren, he said we are more than conquerors by Christ which strengthens us. He causes us to triumph in all things. I refuse. You ignite a violence. You ignite a violence. You say, I refuse to die. I refuse to die young. I refuse to fail in my career. I refuse my business to fail. My marriage will not fail. Devil, get off, get off. You said, devil, leave my child. No, you don't humble. You don't give a, no. He brings fire, you bring it. He brings a hundred, you bring a thousand. He lets a thousand, you bring a million. I say he can play hard, but he can't play a long game. He cannot play a long game. Even when he tempted Jesus, the Bible says he tried and tried. And the Bible says, and he went away for a season for another opportunity. That means the devil can give up. He says, submit yourself unto God. Firstly. And after you do that, he says, resist the devil. And he will flee. He will flee. He will flee. He will leave your business. Whether he wants it or he doesn't. He will leave your ministry. Those which speak about you one day, they will not be able to speak. They'll not be able to speak. No, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in Christ for the pulling down of strongholds. They cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself above our knowledge of Christ and brings to captivity all thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Now I've realized this, that sometimes the thoughts that are brought to captivity are not necessarily our thoughts only. God can do something to your enemy and your enemy also agrees that this man has God. This woman has God. She's not alone. Hallelujah, glory to God. What is my point? That your most potent seed is soon to be revealed in the thing you've been tried most. And not only will it be revealed, God will give it the grace to outlast and outlive those that have fought you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of power might be of God. I don't care what is happening in your family right now. You must believe that something is going to happen for you. That will turn everything around to the glory of God. This I say, we are more than conquerors. Through Christ which strengthens us, nothing threatens me. Nothing. I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But I've received the spirit of power, sound mind, and love. That's who you are. Don't give up. The thing that frustrates you, go back into it. We were having a crusade last year. And um, as usual, Galatians 2.2, like Paul says, I went up to communicate to them which were of reputation privately. Lest I should run my race in vain. We met many men of God, pastors and these guys in a certain umbrella and group of fellowship and uh, I shared my vision to do a crusade and when I shared my vision to do a crusade 
They said, we're going to be with you. We're going to work with you. We love what's on your life. A couple of weeks later, they call me and they say, you know what? We got orders from our elders that we're not going to work with you and that, you know, we don't believe in your ministry. And um, I got calls from that area and they said, you know, nobody makes a crusade here when these guys don't agree with you. In fact, some people call me and they said, you know what? It's advisable, just cancel this thing or postpone it until you win the favor of their leader. <laughs> In fact, one person actually told me, if you could actually get a chopper, if you have to, get here immediately. Because if you don't get here, you don't have a crusade. And I called our kids in the ground and I told them, look, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and Gentile. Whether one man is behind me or not, I'm going to put those machines. Whether I have two people in that stadium, I am going to preach. And guess what? Those men did not turn up. And guess what? We had the biggest crusade that region has ever seen in the history of our nation. And this we didn't say. It was the oldest pastors which said, this is the biggest thing we have ever seen. The lamb walked. The blind soaked, the deaf heard, the sick were healed, and hundreds and hundreds came to Jesus Christ, thousands and thousands. We had meetings of close to 30, 40,000 people daily coming for service and getting delivered by the power of God. Why? My potential and heritage was there. The devil just deceived me through the words of men who knew not my God. God is about to surprise you in the very place you were disappointed. He will not look for another one. No, that very place you were disappointed is about to call you back and honor you. The Bible says he will, in the very temptation, make a way. He's going to use the very person who spoke evil about you to introduce you and announce you. I've seen websites that have fought us now announcing us. Hello, glory to God. I've seen Facebook pages that used to oppose us now announcing us. God can use the very mouth that fought you to fight for you. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to raise your voice and thank God for tonight's word. I want you to speak in tongues and celebrate God for what he's doing in this hour. I will not forget you. Speaking out of tongues, speaking out of tongues. In the very place you are beaten, may God raise a story. In the very place you are rejected, may God raise favor. In the very place you were defeated, may God create a victory. In the very place you are frustrated, may God bring a joy. In the very place you were shaken, may God put a strength and tenacity. Masablo Satalaba, Yahweh. 
Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. You can simply say these words. You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 4291 or email us at at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.